What's up, folks? Welcome back to Hot Takes Only. This is episode 26, and it has been more than a month since our last episode. Joined, as always, by Willie, my guy. Happy belated Thanksgiving, early holidays. Uh, I mean, how was your how was your Thanksgiving? Oh, it was it was great, bro. It was great. You get a chance how to uh, to watch some watch some football, both of the I, I American did. and European varieties. <laughs> I oh, definitely world. did. Nothing better than seeing the Cowboys get destroyed. <laughs> how about them Cowboys? Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. How about them, how about them Cowboys? That's for sure. Yeah. How about them Cowboys? Uh, we got. Not as much content as usual, just because we're in the off season in baseball, and and we'll kind of recap all the roster moves as we get into spring training and and so on. But for for the purposes of this episode, we're going to focus mostly on, I think, Premier League, little Champions League, and then Willie. I know you had some takes from the NFL as well. I did, uh, yeah. And I, I know seeing your Browns be nine and three yeah. is an incredible I'd feeling. I tell you what, bro. I've been watching a lot of NFL, but I. I just like there's what a great great time to be watching a lot of NFL. This is great. Yeah. No, I'm 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 happy for you and my brother, my dad as as big yeah. big Browns fans as they are. I know this is uh this is huge to just to have yeah. this sort of this sort of positivity if you will. So good vibes hopefully the rest of the season if not it's it's a winning season for the first time in a long time. Did so Did you ever Did you know how good Nick Chubb was when he was at Georgia? Yeah. Yeah, Nick Chubb, his sophomore year, uh, I think, I can't remember, I think it was the year Gurley went down, or maybe it was the year after Gurley left, I said, this guy's going to win a Heisman, and then he, that's a couple weeks after that, he tears his ACL. If he didn't tear his ACL that season, he would have won the Heisman. He was averaging like 10 yards a carry. <laughs> he was he was running all over the SEC, and he was, I think, third in SEC history in total yards, uh, total uh, wow. rushing yards behind Herschel. He? He's certainly number wow. two at Georgia. I don't know if he's number two overall in the SEC, but wow. to be in the same breath as Herschel in any incredible. Um, in any conversation of that sort is incredible. crazy. Wow. So Nick Chubb, happy for him. Um, I got to shout out a couple other players too in the NFL unrelated to the Browns. Uh, Justin Jefferson and Josh Jacobs. Oh. Uh, Josh Jacobs hasn't really played much. But he, Justin Jefferson, and Nick Chubb have basically pulled my fantasy season from a certain last place finish to a third overall finishing the regular season, winners of four in a row. And then yeah. this week, uh, first round of the playoffs, hopefully uh, the, the lads can come through. If not, then, I, you know, I wasn't expecting to be here. So I'll, I'll be happy with any result I'll in the playoffs. Yeah, man. I mean, I'll, t I'll, tell, you, I'll tell you what, bro. A uh, couple things on that. First of all, um, I mean, don't those players have been incredible. Just Justin Jefferson is definitely the best young receiver. One of the best receivers already in the NFL. And uh, I guess the only thing I would say, man, is between him and Josh Jacobs, uh, I don't know. You must've been, it must've been hard picking against the dogs, man. Those are two rival, rival uh, players from rival teams. <laughs> yeah. I I've learned though with fantasy, you, you do have to really swallow your pride when it comes to the negativity. Yeah. Excuse me. When it comes Absolutely. to the negativity and um, and picking players for your team, um, for I guess from last year's perspective, I think I realized that LSU were just one of those great teams, and you have to recognize great talents like Justin Jefferson. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it was kind of a no brainer because I watched a lot of a lot of LSU last year because they were so good, yeah. and yeah. naturally they were playing in every every major primetime game. In your draft, in your fantasy draft, was that? 
Do you remember where you picked him in your fantasy draft? Jefferson? How high? Yeah. No, he was a, he was a definite sleeper, and he wasn't uh, he wasn't on anyone's radar. I think I did got him. him? him yeah, I got him in like the, I think I want to say tenth or eleventh round. Wow. Uh, okay, so, yeah, people were drafting kickers and and defenses at that point in the draft. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and take Justin Jefferson because I know he's gonna ball out when uh, wow. when Kirk doesn't want to throw to Adam Adam uh, Thielen, who I also accidentally drafted. Oh, it's funny. I accidentally drafted Thielen and Kareem Hunt, and both of them worked out fantastically. So hey, it was the, the best yeah. mistakes ever. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I know and we don't, God. we don't, we don't talk about fantasy football on the on the, on the show enough, but it's uh, it's worth mentioning in some sorts. In some absolutely, ways. man. And Josh Jacobs is a great pick too. Him, him mm-hmm. and the Raiders are rolling right along. Yeah, um, he's a stud. Yeah, he's been playing playing some good stuff this year, getting me some, some fantasy points. Um, Excuse me. You know what's the pro- you know what the problem, bro, is it's like you know, you think about Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, you know, Clive Edwards, and the Browns got Trent Richardson, bro. We picked like the worst SEC running back. But then but then you got Nick Chubb, so it's all we got Nick Chubb. It's all forgiven. I guess it makes up for it. Yeah. Pretty sure didn't he have the longest play from scrimmage in Browns history? He did. Ninety two yard run last year. That's true. But yeah. uh yeah, that was uh, about as well as he did. Yeah, so we'll get to NFL a little later, uh, a more right. full NFL section a little later in the show. Sure. But I want to kick it off with, uh, ironically, with our Premier League mm-hmm. coverage slash recap. It's been yeah. a month since our last episode. And mm-hmm. I think for context, just understanding where we are in the season right now is important because it's actually a really good time because this is the unofficial start of the festive fixtures. Uh, yeah. Starting tomorrow until i want to say like january 4th there's going to be pretty much a premier league game every day if not every other day there's going to be there are going to be so many games between now and january uh i think what is it between i think it's january january 2nd Mm -hmm. and then we have a a gap of um 10 days until the next match week Mm -hmm. so we have a lot to preview but mm-hmm. well, let's look at the table as it is right now, and then we'll hop into next week's fixtures or this sure. this weekend's upcoming fixtures. And there's a couple of big games this weekend, and yep. um, and we'll look at Champions League as well. Okay. So as it stands right now, and for the Arsenal fans who are watch who are listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, I would advise you to mute right now for the next thirty seconds, because mm-hmm. currently in first place, only on goal difference, only on goal difference, but currently in first place, Tottenham Hotspur. Liverpool defending champions, injury ravaged Liverpool in second. Uh, Chelsea in third, winners of four out of their last five, so in good form. Leicester City, last year's kind of surprise title, fringe title challengers who kind of faded off into the Europa League, but ended up having a good season regardless. Uh, Southampton in fifth. That's a surprise to a lot of people maybe who don't follow the league, but for those who, who know who know the league and know the players they have that's not really all that big of a surprise because mm-hmm. they they have a very smart recruitment and they have now a really good manager who understands if you give him time he's gonna he's gonna create something very solid i think he was I'm, i can't remember who was in charge at leipzig i think he was the manager in leipzig when they first kind of burst onto the scene it was he timo was. werner nabi keita so Ralph house and hustle at the uh at the helm for leipzig yep. now he's in the premier league with southampton seeing them and the top half of the table uh, really enjoy seeing that. Uh, Man yeah. United and Man City, six and seven. The only surprise really is City. 
City is, uh, they're kind of, uh, like, what's what's going on with City at the moment? Sure, but they, they've kind of gotten their act together a little bit. They beat Burnley and they've been rolling the last few games. Yeah, they, they've won three of five. Won three, lost one, draw one uh, in their last five. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're getting better, but they were in, what, 14th at some point earlier in the season? Yeah, they really struggled. Yeah, the they, were, they were not playing well, but... Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're past that now. Awesome losses, yep. Yeah. Uh, West Ham, Everton, 8-9. Uh, Everton have come back down to earth. I think we can say yeah. that pretty yeah, safely. Yeah, after winning their first four games, right? Yeah, they have they have kind of regressed to the mean a little bit. I mean, that's not to say they're not a good side, but ultimately, this is, is this is Ancelotti's first season, I'm pretty sure. Yep. Uh, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, end of kind of a season and a half. First, yeah, first full season. Uh, so, I mean, I'm I'm sure they'll be annoyingly enough. I'm sure they'll be a force next season uh, if they don't go on a run this season. I mean, the table is so compact and, and everyone's so close together that anything over the facts of fixtures could completely throw this table on its on its head. Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. that's the thing. That's I mean, that's one of the things I, that I personally like about. It. I know you're probably in the same boat as well. Although you probably like to see Chelsea overtake the top yeah spot. i mean i'm i'm really what i'm really curious about is i mean from the top half of the table i'm curious you know they always talk about you know can you get what does the table look like when you get through the through the festive period you know that's if you can get through the festive period close to the top in the premier league you've got a really good chance of of contending for the title and you know right now i mean obviously you know i don't you wouldn't think southampton would really be title but I, I'm curious to see when we go to the new year, um, do we have even a five horse race potentially? Yeah. With, you know, Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Leicester, and Man City. You know, mm-hmm. God, you know, I, maybe we could have a, a crazy race right now and no team, you know, looks that strong. So, you know, it, it could, it could definitely be that way. Yeah. Exactly. And it's, it's not one of those things where you're expecting Southampton to finish like in the bottom, the bottom half of the table, but Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where you look at the teams that are behind them, United city, Everton wolves, Mm -hmm. and then down there at the bottom half of the table where they're not supposed to be, but they are Mm -hmm. Arsenal. And yeah, I I don't, I don't, this reminds me Owen a lot of, um, 2016 when you know when right right before Mourinho got sacked you know to about the Christmas period Chelsea was right around the relegation zone reminds me a lot of where Arsenal is right now and a lot of similar problems that they were having to now yeah um, and it's weird because when when Arteta took over last season there was a little mm-hmm. bit of a bump they had a pretty up and down season they ended up winning the FA Cup but then yep. since then it's been kind of back downhill and yeah, I think yeah, he's absolutely. established a spine at the club that they've lacked for a long time, but sure. the sacrifice for that was the other end of the pitch for some for some odd reason. It it doesn't. I mean, sure. I'm I'm sure if, if we have the Arsenal guys back on the podcast at some point in the near future, they can give us a better analysis of it. But from the mm-hmm. outside looking in, it hasn't hasn't seemed all that great. Yeah, it's it's interesting, man. Like you said, um, you know, there was so much positivity coming out of Arsenal when Arteta took over. Not not only his tactical acumen, the way he fixed balance in the team, but they, they were just playing with such energy, such spirit. They The energy around the club was so positive. 
But you're right. I, I mean, I think it comes down to, like you said, the offense. I mean, they're 17th in goal scored right now. Um, they're they're getting nothing out of, you know, kind of their front three. Um, you know, Obama Yang, that's probably the most surprising thing. Guy who's ever, how long has he been in the Premier League now? Six, seven years. And he, he's got, what, one goal? Um, and, you know, they're not getting much out of, you know, Lacazette, William, you know, Saka and Ketia. They, they need more goals. I mean, and if you look at the last games they played, um, Wolves, Spurs, Aston Villa, you know, they've gotten maybe, I think they scored one goal in those three games. So that end of the pitch definitely has to be fixed. Yeah. Well, I don't, uh, Aubameyang has only been in the league a few years and he's, he scored some goals. He scored some goals, but this season has been, a, has been a disappointment for sure so far. But yeah. uh, I know, I know for a fact that what we saw at the start of this year for Arsenal was mm-hmm. very promising and to see yeah. it kind of devolve this way is, is disappointing as, as a neutral fan who doesn't really have a stake. And I mean, I, I guess you could call it a soft spot for Arsenal just by virtue of, of uh, the, the guys, Ian, Nick and Brian, regular contributors to the show. But yeah. ultimately I, I wouldn't be, I mean, they've, we played 11 games, so I, yeah, I wouldn't put, it's a ton of stock into this is how things are going to go for the rest of the season. Something's going to change the, the a club like Arsenal with the resources there. I wouldn't be too worried yet. If it's after the festive period and they are still in the bottom half of the table, then it's time to kind of figure out what's going on. Like really get to what's going on here mm-hmm. uh, because it, it, it may be a culture at the club that, that they haven't really addressed. And that's sometimes more important than the actual players you have and the personnel is is it's what the whole the sum of those parts represents and if it's not a cohesive unit that has that plays for each other up and down the pitch and off the pitch as well then you're not going to have a great time per se it's going to be tough yeah absolutely um i I think there definitely is a, a culture around the club that needs to be being fixed and i think like you know just the spirit, you know, like it, it seems like with Arsenal, the same thing happened under Unai Emery where they'd have really good stretches where they played really well. And then they'd have stretches where they're awful, you know, and yep. it's the same, it's the same right now. And they need that, that consistency, that leadership and that balance, you know, I mean, like you said, if you told me Arsenal would be 17th in, in goal scoring, I'd say like that, that's crazy, right? <laughs> um, it's defense. That's the problem, but you know, they've gotten, decent defense um so you're right there's something there's something wrong at the football club right now yeah i think the the challenge for arteta right now is sorting out number one sorting out any issues that are happening within within the club within the first team within the first 11 with maybe even mm-hmm. uh bring up some players in the academy if if, yeah. if need be but ultimately you've got to look at a happy balance between that attacking flair that we know arsenal to have and the spine the defensive stability that it looks like mm-hmm. they've brought back in the last last little while but you know that... yeah and they had that like that's the crazy thing is coming into the season they had that i mean they struggled with that under emery he could never seem to figure it out but they had it at the end of last season and this yeah. season it just seems to have gone but i i think it tends to be more of a player problem in, in this case yeah i i would hesitate i would think that they're going to have an eye on the transfer window in January and see if they can't offload a couple of players who have been having negative impacts in the dressing room like, or even like bring, whom? bring in a couple of players. So like whom 
I think just another defensive midfielder, someone with someone yeah. to to at really add spine, but also have really good passing mm-hmm. range and be able to start counterattacks from sure. inside their own half. Well, you know what's interesting, man. I I like Thomas Partey a lot. Obviously, when he's healthy, I, I'm I'm a big fan of his. I also really like Lucas Torreira, and he's a guy under Unai. I'm mean, sorry, um, Arteta, who seemed to have gotten phased out, which I was a little curious about because I think he's perfect for the team. Yeah, didn't isn't he on loan in Madrid right now? At Atletico. He is, uh, yeah, they swapped. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of moving pieces. I mean, I think someone in addition to Partey, or maybe a, 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 another box to box midfielder, maybe not a, de- a defensive midfielder strictly, but mm-hmm. someone to be there at both ends of the pitch for the team. And, and, you know, I, I don't know if that player is at the club right now, or if it's, there's a player who can bring that to sure. Arsenal in the transfer market, but that's the kind of player that they're lacking right now. Yeah. It's just, it comes down to, you know, like you said, good and in, good investment. I think that if there's two themes I've seen with Arsenal and Manchester United a little bit, it's just, they've made some, transfers that haven't quite worked out you know i mean manchester united maybe more so but i mean they've made some good ones like gabriel has been playing pretty well like he Mm -hmm. he looks good you know arsenal recently you know they have spent some money i just don't think i mean right now that 80 million pounds or whatever for pepe is not looking very good no it's it's not looking like a good investment as it is right now and the trainer thought is always he needs time to adapt to the premier league he needs time to get his feet in a mm-hmm. new country with a new language, a, a new style in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately that's when you put that kind of money on a player, you expect them to deliver and he hasn't yeah. really delivered. And he just to me, man, by the eye test, he never looks to be honest with you. I've never. And look, it's obviously to be professional level that attitude. I have sympathy. I'm just saying, I mean, he's never really looked that good to me. I never watch him and like I, I think something great's gonna happen. Like he doesn't jump out at me like that. Yeah, I, I mean, there's bits and pieces of it every time you watch him. Um, mm-hmm. You see, you'll see a couple a couple moments where it's like, wow, okay, I, I can understand why they shelled out as much money as they did for sure. him. And then you you think of other moments where, whether it's a, a pass that he could have made or a shot that ended up being straight at the keeper, there's a lot of question marks around that signing. And I don't I don't think it's necessarily necessarily him but it's more so their strategy of identifying at the club that there was a a need for defensive stability and they didn't address that they brought in players to the other end of the pitch and now they have a deficiency at one end because they brought everyone on the other side so it's it's a it's a a fine line they have to walk these days and they're you know they're not um they're not doing well they haven't been doing well recently because of it but and, I, and you know what's kind of scary to me, Owen? Yeah. This is a really scary thing, uh, which is that, and I, I, I guess I feel bad for the Arsenal friends, but if you look at their squad, Owen, there's not many players in the squad, like from that perspective, that you say, like, in the long run, that, like, you're confident are going to be producing for their club. Like, Gabriel, Sako, uh, Tierney, um that's about it man everyone else i'm like they're either older or you have question marks about him like leno i guess you could say leno but yeah leno's on the younger that, side it. i mean maybe yeah, that's leno, that but that's it like i mean you know lacazette 
Like yeah. that front three is old. You know, David Luiz is old. Uh, you know, Hector Bellerin, he's been there for a while. Granit Xhaka, El Neni. I mean, Maitland Niles is good, but he never seems to get runs. I mean, obviously, you don't want Mustafi. So you look at the squad, and it's like you look at the other big teams, and they have deep, you know, much deeper squads than Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's a little bit of a concern. Yeah, for sure. And especially, especially given who's at the top of the table, it's even more incentive for yep. for them to want to get things figured out. Because I, I mm-hmm. can guarantee you, it'll be a a twenty twenty type scenario should Tottenham end the season where they are right now. Mm. Yeah, that would be a nightmare. <laughs> it would be really funny though, you know. From, I mean, it it wouldn't be ideal, obviously, but. Just from a humor standpoint, it'd be good be just so Mourinho can kind of be Mourinho. I mean, I've been watching the uh, the All or Nothing documentary on Tottenham. Oh, have you? <laughs> I'm watching it literally just for Mourinho. I'm not even kidding. I'm how just is, watching it to, to see is, Mourinho. How, how is he slash it? He's, he's Mourinho. He's everything you expect out of Mourinho and then some. Um, I think wow. it, they, they do a good job of capturing who he is just genuinely, you know, when he's not addressing the media and, and at some points being a clown. Um, they, he, he, you know, he, they do talk about him as like someone who genuinely does care about certain players. The interesting thing though, is when he first came to the club last year, uh, one of the prevailing thoughts was, okay, there's players that he's going to like and players that he's not going to like. Yeah. Um, and Dombele, when Mourinho first got there was one of the players who you were thinking, yeah, he's not going to stay. Cause he, he got in a number of fights with Mourinho either in training or being subbed off early or what have you. And mm-hmm. they had no, no real mention of Ndombele throughout the documentary. Um, I'm on mm-hmm. the last episode, which I think covers the beginning of, of the pandemic, which obviously that's where we are now, but mm-hmm. it just meant there's no mention of Ndombele at all, but he shows they, they show an instance of, of Mourinho pulling aside Eric Dyer after a game where he just wanted to he just wanted to get on the same page as Eric Dyer. And what helped is that Dyer speaks Portuguese. So they had that conversation in Portuguese. And that's mm-hmm. one of the things that's like you have you know Mourinho has this reputation for being an asshole, but you know, he, he's just doing his job as a manager to deflect anything from his players and put it all on himself. And in some cases you need that, in some cases you don't. Um mm-hmm. as far as who he is relative to the players, what the players need. Mm-hmm. He he put it really well multiple times in the documentary before games. He's saying, you guys are too nice. Mm-hmm. You guys are, you, you need to know how to foul. You need to have, you need to know when to put a foot in. And his word was, don't be a nice guy on the pitch. Be a bastard. Be an asshole. Be sure. the guy that no one wants to play against. Because that's, when you kind of think about it, that's kind of what Tottenham have been, have been missing. That kind of, you know, I don't yeah, care. I- I don't care about your feelings kind of club. Like I'm going to, I'm going to kick you up and down the pitch within, you know, within the laws of the game, obviously. But I mean, that's, 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 um, so first of all, a couple things to what you said. So first of all, I think we forget that Ndombele was Spurs' record signing, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, 60 plus million euros, I think. Um, and he's a really good player. I mean, his technical ability is really good, really skilled, big, powerful, can drive forward. I mean, to me, I don't even want to say a poor man's, but like, kind of like a Pogba type player. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's willing to put in the work on defense, um, and and absolutely, Owen. And it's just, it's it's, they were missing that 
that nasty. So many times under Pochettino, they'd be they'd play pretty football, but they couldn't consistently grind out results or mm-hmm. consistently get performances. They'd have these games they'd lose that they shouldn't lose. Yep. And it's just incredible. Like you see, like you know, the work that everyone is, how much they're running, like all over the pitch, how much Sun and and Kane are working. Like they seem to really bought into the system and are. You know they're invested in Mourinho's system and they're they're willing to play that way and it's so interesting just because like it shows that you know you watch soccer games around Europe and occasionally teams can really like old school counterattack well and just be extremely direct when you get the ball mm-hmm. but like Tot- Tottenham are making it working and you know I don't think this style of soccer is going to work in the long term that's why you know Mourinho is what he is and the kind of three-year things. But for this season, they're absolutely look legit. Yeah, we could legitimately do an entire episode dedicated to just breaking down what Mourinho has said, what he's coached, and what his philosophies are as a manager. Because it's really interesting. You think about uh, the things that he said while he was an analyst for, was it BT Sport or Sky Sport? He was talking uh, about two... yeah, being sport. He he was talking about two main philosophies: is is what you what you are when you don't have the ball, and what you are when you do have the ball, the and ball. Yep. the different styles go off of that, off of that yep. that philosophy. And it was just really interesting to hear that perspective because he has this reputation for being someone who okay, he's going to get two tall center forwards, two tall center halves. He's going to play a four four two. He's going to hoof it up to the hoof it up to the striker up top. Plays some hold up play, counterattacking football, and then park the bus. You think of Mourinho's strategy, especially in big games, that's usually been the case. Mm-hmm. But it's it's all down to this philosophy of when you are playing another team, and say that team is a possession team, a Man City, Man, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea, or any other team around Europe, you're playing a possession team. Yeah, they're gonna want the ball. Fine, they can have the ball. We're just gonna hit them on the counterattack. I think yeah. I think someone was saying like. Uh, some reporter asked him after the Man City game, yeah, they had the ball for 80% of the time. And Mourinho's just like, yeah. yeah, they had the ball 80% of the time. We'll take the two goals and the three points. And that to me is just like, that's, it's pragmatic, of course. It's what you what you expect of managers when teams that are on, yeah. teams that are in relegation fights, they bring in those sorts of managers to stop the bleeding. Mm-hmm. Mourinho does it at the top. And that's what makes him Spe- like you know, that's what makes him special because he's be able- he's been able to do it consistently with every team he's been at. I mean, Real yeah. Madrid was kind of a, a so-so, but that's Real Madrid gets its own category because because of the club it is. Mm-hmm. So but- right, but even at Real Madrid, I mean, dude, like they they, I mean, he, Marino, I'll just say Real Madrid had spells of incredible when Mourinho mm-hmm. was the coach. Oh, absolutely. He's very their defense and attacking, and yeah. in fact, they they led La Liga. They set on, I think, a record for goals at one point. Yeah, or was close to it even. Well, when you think um, of the players that that team had with, with Ronaldo and, uh, and Kaká at the same time, they did, yeah. With that, just Although, that alone, and then Ozil was part of that team. No, sure. They they had a lot of, you know, attacking talent. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's neither here nor there. We'll we'll address Europe in a minute. But I do want to go through the rest of the table really quickly, and then we'll get to the fixtures for the upcoming. Oh, one, uh, last, one last thing on Mourinho, real quick. Yeah. Um. Th- th- to me, I think that one of the most, you know, interesting things. First of all, it's just an unbelievable story. If you're a neutral fan, just seeing kind of Mourinho like a guy at the end of his career just 
continue to work his magic. But I think what's one thing that's so um, interesting about Mourinho, okay? And, like, I saw the comments, like, where uh, Mourinho said he's like, if Man City played fair, they right, they would have won a title. Mm-hmm. I just want to take a minute to recognize, like, how exceptional a manager he is. Like, he is, like, everywhere he goes, even at Manchester United, where you'd say he didn't do as good a job at other clubs, like, that second year, they were really good, and only, like, a record-spending Man City team could beat them. Yep. And it's just, like, he is incredible. Like, you, he's one of the only managers, you know, you know, where you're going to get great from him. You know, we're not wondering what you're going to get, you know, week to week. So I, yep. I just, just an incredible manager. Like, Absolutely. Just, no, he, he, he's one of the world's best for sure. And I think he, I think that, yeah, I think that the way the Tottenham spell ended, people forgot that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, United spell. United. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess the start of Tottenham wasn't, it wasn't really typical Mourinho, but no, he's, yeah. he's always in the conversation for who's, who are the top five managers in Europe? Just because yeah. the last few years it's been dominated by City and Liverpool, so everyone's talking mm-hmm. about Guardiola, Klopp, and then Real Madrid with mm-hmm. their three-peat of Champions League. People are like, oh, Zidane's a really good manager. I was like, no, Zidane just had a, a loaded squad, and he understands how to. Yeah. He he just understands football, and mm-hmm. you know, you, you have a squad like that, you're going to get results regardless of who who you're playing. Um, but you know, that's not to say he's a, he's not a bad manager, but he's not, you know, he's not in the same conversation as Guardiola or Klopp, for sure. I mean, I'd, I'd say Klopp no. gets his own category because he he the first time he's actually had money, he produced, I mean, what is yeah. still ongoing, one of the most relentless teams we've seen in the Premier League. Yeah, Klopp is probably the world's best manager for sure. He's in yeah. his own class. But then, but then you look at Hansi Flick who took over at Bayern, and yes, it's a loaded Bayern squad, but winning the trouble in those circumstances against a team with unlimited money, Neymar and Mbappe, uh, Bayern's, Bayern's no joke. And Hansi Flick is no, not. They, Hansi Flick is no joke either. No, but but it is interesting. They've kind of looked shaky at points this year, and and I mean that's what separates uh, these elite managers. I think is like you know, you know when Klopp was at Dortmund winning two titles and consistently like, you know even I know it, it was hard hard to keep it up, but it's just like, you know, the, Bayern's dropped off a little bit this year, and like it's like to be like on Klopp's level, I feel like you have to sustain it if that makes sense or a little bit at least. Yeah. I mean, they're still, I mean, they, they failed to win. I I don't even think they lost the game, but they failed to win their first champions league game in the last 16. I think, I think it was 16 unbeaten. I think it's still, they still haven't been beaten. Maybe they have, Uh, but it was what it was 15 unbeaten in the champions league. To be fair, they'd been trending in the wrong direction a little bit, both in the Bundesliga and in the champions league. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's Bayern Munich. They're, they're probably going to win the league again this year, unless Dortmund and, and I don't know. I don't know, man. I I think Leipzig, uh, Dortmund, there's something wrong with Dortmund to me, but um, something's a little off. Yeah. Their mentality, they start a lot of games slow. They're just very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, It's not the players for sure. No, they have got a, got a squad. great core of players. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get to the rest of the table briefly, and then we can get to mm-hmm. we can get to the fixtures. Um, Ten through twenty, it's like bottom half of the table. We've talked about Arsenal already, uh, right mm-hmm. in fifteenth. But Wolves, Palace, Villa at ten, eleven, twelve. Uh, mm-hmm. Wolves, 
I, I, dude, I hate to yeah. see this from Wolves because they're always for me one of the more exciting teams to watch. Like when you when you see like one of the big six is playing Wolves, it's like okay, no, this is gonna be a good game, just because Nuno yeah. is gonna he's gonna put the same eleven out there. He's gonna have them play the same style regardless of who the opponent is. And it's time it, we've seen with other managers like this when they've tried to adapt their system or play something uh, like a four at the back rather than three at the back that they're not yep. used to, then the results aren't going to be there. But with Nuna, they play this expansive football. They're a solid team all around. And mm. unfortunately, injuries have made it so that they're going to be without one of the best strikers in the league. Yeah, it and was, that, and it was really apparent during that Liverpool game just how much they missed them. Yeah. I mean, uh, Podence is a great player, but he's no Jimenez. That's and Pedro Neto too. and Neto as well, yeah. So yeah, and I mean Traore is kind of inconsistent. Um, yeah, no, I mean, and they have you know they have Fabian De Silva now. He's a little young. Yeah, they mm. they really miss Real Jimenez and they Diego Jota for that matter. Yeah, um, what a signing he's yeah. turned out to be for Liverpool. Yeah, um, it's just like sometimes, man. It's like you need a true center forward sometimes. Mm. Yeah, we, we we underestimate how important that is. And um, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely worried for wolves uh, with that. I, I, I do think they, they drop a level with, with him being out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think they'll, they'll be probably top, top tier of the bottom half for sure. Like 10, 10, 11, 12 easily. But you know, I don't think they're going to be able to replicate the form of, of last season and the season before, unfortunately, because they're always fun to watch. They, they, yeah, they're really fun, um, and they'll be really strong at the back when everyone gets healthy. You know, they. But, um, but yeah, they need they need to find some replacements up there. Yeah, uh, Crystal Palace and Aston Villa. Um, Palace, kind of. Sometimes you you watch them and they're like, wow, why aren't they higher than the table? And then you watch them another week and they go, oh, okay, that's it. it they're they're inconsistent. They're gonna they're you know probably gonna stay up. I mean, Roy's doing doing mm-hmm. Roy things at at Palace. I mean, Zaha's playing well. Benteke's scored yep. for three years in a row. What a what a feat to score three goals in three years. <laughs> what a what a fall from grace he's had. He, he used to be one of the... I remember every time before he joined Liverpool, every time Liverpool played Villa, I was like, oh God, we had to go against Benteke. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he joins Liverpool and forgets how to be good. And then it's just, it's confidence, honestly. And it's an ability to, I guess, adapt to certain environments. But you, you know, can spend a lot of time talking about that too. Poor, yeah. I mean, geez, man. He, <laughs> I, I, yeah, he's been really disappointing. It's crazy how little he scores. Poor Wilf Zaha. Yeah. I mean, I just felt so bad. Like last year, you know, he didn't play well. And, you know, a big reason was probably just he really wanted to leave the club. Yeah. And this year, it's like, you know, Palace always struggle for goals, but it's like, you know, Wolf Saha, he scored seven goals. And the next, I want to say it's Benteke or Ayu, they've scored one or two goals. <laughs> so it's yeah. like Palace, is, he's carrying that offense. He is. <laughs> and he's he's really showing the promise that he's had for a long time. Mm-hmm. So interesting to see if, if he keeps it up and then really does get the move away from the club that he's been wanting for a while. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel really yeah. bad. Uh, Aston Villa, who were top of the league at one point, Earlier yeah. on, it was you know after they beat Liverpool seven to two. Of course, that was mm-hmm. the aberration of all of all aberrations. Yep, is one of the crazier games. Uh, they've only played nine games though, so they they've got a couple games in hand on the league. 
Um, yes or no, Jack Grealish is worth 120 million. Because I I read I don't know how reliable the source is, but they put a price tag on him of upwards of 120 million. I think it was pounds. It might have been dollars. But so I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna say yes. And and the reason on is because to me he he's the complete two way player and he has the complete package and he cares. He'll do the dirty work defensively. He'll work, you know, he'll work hard. He'll, you know, receive the ball deep. He'll play deep. He's a good passer. He can get forward. He can assist. He can score goals. He's got it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he's an incredible player. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'd go that high on the price tag, but he is, he's definitely yeah, a I, very solid player I mean, and he's still developing. I mean, I'll tell you what, Owen, if, how much was Paul Pogba worth? Now, then that makes Jack Grealish look like three hundred million. Seriously, I mean the 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 promise that he's shown in the last couple seasons. Yeah, he's if if Villa don't stay up this year, which you kind of hope they do because they're yeah. you know one of the historic yeah. Premier League powerhouses. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it'll be you know interesting to see if they if they unfortunately they do get be. relegated, then who's going to come for Grealish? I, I mean, even so, who's going to come for him in the summer anyway? Well, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there was there was links. I, I I mean, first of all, we got. I mean, to that point, Grealish was like a one man wrecking crew last year. I mean, he on offense. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really almost single handedly like carried that team at the yeah. end of last season when yep. they made that run to stay up. Uh, they had a lot of guys struggling, but and I thought that this year was going to be the year where he'd been sold. But yeah, I mean, yeah, if a lot anything, of... his value's going up. Yeah, and they sell him. A lot of maybes with his future, but he's definitely one of the bright young prospects we have. And, and Southgate definitely has an agenda against him. I don't think that's up for discussion. Someone who just refuses the England manager who just refuses to play one of the best play, one of the best midfielders, uh, if not the best young midfielder that England has. What's the deal with that? Yeah, uh, it's just Southgate playing favorites and yeah. preferring guys like Mason Mount to to Grealish, which. I know as a Chelsea fan, you'd, you'd think one thing, but objectively, I think a lot of folks would, would argue that Grealish is objectively better. And you'd he want is, a Grealish guy on the team. The thing is, though, is it's like, it's an interesting discussion. But, and I, the thing is, like, Grealish works hard. So I, I don't want to say, I, I, the one thing I will say is it's just like, Mason Mount works really hard. He's a really, really hardworking player. He'll run like all day, mm-hmm. and he's shown this season in central midfield. He'll play defense, and I just think you really want these midfielders now that are willing to put in the work defensively. Mm-hmm. So I think that's one yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. That's just speculation. But yeah. no, I, you know, he deserves more. Caps. From the outside, that's what it looks like, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13, 14, 15, We've already talked about Arsenal in fifteenth, uh, Newcastle, and Leeds. Uh, I was. Mm. I guess not expecting Leeds to be higher, but I wouldn't have been I would have been shocked if they're in the top half of the table just based on how they looked in the in the first few games of the season. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think the Premier League has has kind of come back mm-hmm. down to earth. If if or they've they've come back down to earth and and been yeah. reintroduced to the to the league and how how tough it's gotten since they have mm-hmm. been in uh, the championship in the lower league the lower leagues in football. Sure, but 
they're, they're still really impressive. They are. And they're still fun to watch regardless of who they play. Their Bielsa is just, is he's Bielsa. He's incredible. He's going to do what he's going to do. They have some. They have some really good players on that team. So they do. They'll be absolutely staying up. Yeah. Hopefully, at top. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle above them. Uh, I. I. I mean, they've they've kind of been hit or miss like a lot of other teams in the mid table so far this season. Um, they've had moments, and they've had not so great moments. Yeah. But you know, I think I think they're fine. Ultimately, I'm not too concerned about Newcastle staying up. But this league is crazy. Anything can happen. We all. We all know it on a yearly basis. You never know who's going to get relegated. I'll say this, Owen. Like, um, in terms of now, they're not in the relegation battle. This, but if you talk about like just two teams that seem to carry their teams, like Danny Ings and Callum Wilson, mm-hmm. are just scoring goals. And yep. Like, what, what would their teams do without them? I mean, they're they're the focal points of those teams' attacks. But they, the team goes as they go. Yeah. Uh, but Absolutely. you know, for, for some clubs like Southampton, there's a little more to it. I mean, at least so far based on the results this season, there's more to it. Yeah. Uh, no, six. I, absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. 16, 17, 18, Brighton, Fulham and Burnley, uh, mm. Brighton are a little lower than, than I would expect, honestly, because we, we all think of Brighton so highly and the way that Graham Potter has got his team to play. But mm-hmm. the results just aren't always aren't always there, and and you know it's the cliche that managers say, "Oh, we're just trusting the process. We're not focused on on results. We're focused on the on the performances, yeah. and the results will come, and it'll even out." But you know, they they're dangerously close to the relegation zone. Yeah, and for a team that's been flirting with it for the last uh, a couple or flirted with it a couple years ago, last year I think for the most part they were safe. Uh, I think there was a stretch where they were struggling, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. They need some more defensive balance, and and yeah, I mean, the, it's I I am a little bit worried about Brighton. Um, I would say they could definitely go down. There are teams down there I trust more than than Brighton. You're right, and it's so weird how like that. That's the other thing I never understood too, which was like like you said, Graham Potter gets all this praise, and like even last year, I mean. I mean, yeah, they played okay, but it's like, you're right, they're dangerously close to the drop zone. Yeah, and I guess you guess you expect better things out of them, or at least hope for better things out of them from a neutral perspective, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, they're fun. We'll see. I mean, they are. Early. They are fun to watch, yes. Lamptey, one of the more promising fullbacks. Uh, oh, uh, dude, the Chelsea All-Reject squad is, like, <laughs> awesome. All-Reject squad. Yikes. But, um... But yeah, Lampsy is an awesomely quick player mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, he's fun to watch for sure. Uh, Fulham in seventeenth, they they're going to be in that fight as well. They're going to be in that relegation fight. We're, we'll get to the bottom three in a second, but they're they're going to need results. Yep. And I, yep. We saw a couple years ago when they came up and spent a ton of money and then instantly got relegated again. Sometimes it doesn't always work. I mean, it's a tough league to stay up in after you get relegated. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they're a completely different team, right? I mean, they this year they're a little lighter on goals. You know, when they came up two years ago, they could score. They just couldn't defend. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is more, you know, a, a more hardworking team, um, a little bit different dynamic. But 
Yeah, it's going to be they're going to be right in it, bro. They're yeah. they're absolutely going to be right in it. Yeah. And the three teams who are right in it right now as it stands, Burnley, West Brom, and Sheffield United in last place with a single point. That is something that is it's shocking. Based yeah. on based on how good they were last season and how they they were a threat to literally every team they played. Yeah. Um you know what Owen? I think that last year, right? I mean they 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 have like like five or six forwards that you know play for them and they you know weren't great offensively but they had a stout defense and mm. i think this year you know they're bottom of the league in scoring and um when you're not playing as well defensively right it it makes sense they've had some injuries but they're i mean one point it's atrocious like yeah they're they're in real trouble yeah their um, record this year is not promising uh through 11 games like- I just want to say one thing yeah. where it's just like, I mean, I know it might be a small point, right? Um, and obviously, like you talk about when you're down in relegation, you'd rather have a, a solid defensive team. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also don't have, like we, we were just talking about, like even with Fulham, right? They have Mitrovic, who is a proven goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I know he. there are other guys on their team, you know, Lookman and stuff, but like, mm-hmm that can get hot and just give you enough goals. Like, I, I don't know where the goals are going to come from for Sheffield United. Like, I, I don't, like, I just don't. Yeah, I mean. They were never inspiring offensively, but especially now. Yeah, McBurney is not a 15 to 20 a season striker. Definitely not. Uh, McGoldrick's best days are behind him. Uh, yeah. And he's never scored much anyway. Yeah, he's never really a massive goal threat for them. Just kind of a, no. at some points, an auxiliary striker. But. Yep. I do want to see Sheffield stay just because of how fun they were last year and how they kind of flipped the narrative on its head. Yeah. But their record this season is not pretty. It's 11 games, one draw, 10 losses, no wins, five goals for 18 against. And the form table also is a slap in the face with five in a row. uh, Yeah. Losing. Sure. So they need... They need something to happen very quickly if they're going to stay up. And whether it's a point or a point here or three points there during the festive fixtures, they they need every every single one of them. They got they got to start winning some games too. Yeah. They can't just draw. They got they got to start winning. It's um yeah, but it's just it's just so crazy, bro, because it's just like collectively, right? Their squad is so good. Like it was so good last year and they have all these just really solid players all over the field. And so to see them struggle so badly, it's just really surprising to me. Um, yeah. Burnley, I'm a little surprised too. Burnley. Yeah. I'm, I'm very surprised Burnley are there right now. I don't think they'll be there in, in the next six weeks, but for right now it's still, it's still kind of like, okay, where's, where's Burnley? They don't have European commitments. Like they had a couple years ago and they got off to a slow start as well. So what's you know what's the situation with with well, this club right now? Last year, I mean, they were mid table. They were fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. And, I don't know. And for them to be in this kind of moment, I mean, maybe it's just a really run, really, really rough patch of results. Uh, the form table yeah. isn't great for them either. Uh, one win and, and two draws in their last five. Yep. So something's got to happen quickly. And then West Brom as well. This is a weird one. Because with a guy like with a manager like Slavin Bilic, you'd expect a very, very solid showing in the league. And 
here they are with one of the worst defensive records around the league with 23 conceded. Yep. Which is the yeah, highest in the problem. league. That's their problem. Yeah. It's yeah. They can't they can't defend. They can't uh, can't keep clean sheets. I think this all I think this all in that and the you know in a lot of ways, like you said, I mean that's the typical pattern for why teams struggle yep. to get relegated is they concede lots of goals. Especially I mean, both ends of the table it's important, but at that end of the table as well, you need to keep clean sheets yep. and they just haven't been able to do that this so far this season. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's how the table I mean, looks. I will say, and 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 that's by a lot, that's probably why Crystal Palace usually stays up. Yeah, definitely because they they figured out that that part of the game. Mm-hmm. It all goes back to uh, Big Sam in 2017. Big Sam, yep. Big Sam. Totally totally that, uh, oof, what a time. Anyways, yeah. sorry to interrupt. That was the uh, the table as it looks right now. So heading into the festive fixtures kicking off tomorrow and ending in January. There's a lot to look forward to, a lot of really good games. Uh, speaking of those good games, we've got a good slate this weekend, a lot of really solid games. Mm-hmm. I want to highlight just a couple because I think these are these are ones you're going to want to keep an eye out, uh, keep an eye on anyways. Uh, Everton-Chelsea, which is one of the, one of the first ones uh, this weekend yep. at 12 o'clock Pacific time. That's going to that, be a fantastic game. That's going to be a really intriguing game because... Mm-hmm. On one hand, you have a team that looked like they had the the kind of they had the spine that you'd ex, you'd been expecting from Everton, but haven't seen until now. Versus a team like Chelsea, who still are figuring out that spine. I mean, they've played really well uh, in the last few, winning what was it four or five? Yeah, and I mean we've gone unbeaten and yeah maybe 12 games something like that yeah but it's going to be a question of of how everton approach the game so if they approach the game wanting to possess and wanting to play football then it'll be a field day for chelsea to just hit mm-hmm. them on the counterattack with the pace of of timo Werner and polisic and kai havertz mm-hmm. on the other hand if everton just play like they play against liverpool consistently then it's going to be tough for chelsea to break them down because they're just not gonna they're not going to leave their own half that's just what Everton do when they decide to not play football. Yeah. I like the, you know, the Leeds United game really um, illustrated that point. You know, if you look at the two, the last two games they played, one versus Tottenham, one versus Leeds, right? Like Chelsea had a really hard time breaking down Tottenham, um, but were able to um, break down Leeds. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really good game, um, but I, I agree. I, I want to see Chelsea do well against more teams that sit back a little bit. I, yeah. I, I definitely want to see that. Um, and also, I want to see hopefully Drude plays, and I, I want to see. I mean, if Lampard keeps him in the lineup, yeah, I'm very curious about that. He's been on a on fire. Exactly, and so. especially especially if if Lampard anticipates Everton to to uh, play very defensively. Yep, he's exactly. going to be a he's very perfect, important player. He's the player. perfect equalizer. He's the perfect yep. equalizer to Chelsea's problems on that end. Yep. I do want to say though, and this is a good segue into uh the talking about the Liverpool game. Yep. Is I don't think from from my own perspective mm-hmm. it'll be ever, it'll ever be wise for for me or any any other fans to question the transfer decision 
that Klopp and Michael Edwards decide to make because they decided not to sign Timo Werner because of this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. And they signed a guy who, through 11 games in the league, has already become a cult hero in Diogo Jota. They identified him along with Ismail Assar and Timo Werner as guys who could supplement the front three Mm. and have them take spells out when they need to, when the fixtures start piling up as they are this weekend. Yeah. So it's just kind of, it's just kind of like everything's coming together and, and understanding that like, yeah, you you may think you want one thing, you don't get it, but you get something else that turns out to be even better. Jota is better for Liverpool than Werner would have been. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. Because Werner, Werner is, is, and this is my common criticism of him. And I've had this since before he was linked to Liverpool. He's kind of a one trick pony. He, he doesn't really have, excuse me. He doesn't really have the element of his game where he's, he's able to be creative in really tight spaces when teams pack it in at the back. He's great Mm -hmm. on the counterattack. He's great bursting forward. He's got a ton of pace. He's very intelligent in his movement, but Mm -hmm. as far as being a, complete out and out striker Mm. he's just missing that one element and Klopp needs his players to have the whole package if they're going to play up top I mean he even sacrifices a little bit of that to play Firmino because Firmino is so effective in the way that he drops deep and creates space for the guys up top so even if Mm -hmm. even if he decides to to bring Firmino out and put in Timo Werner Werner's not going to do that Werner's just going to try to run him behind and so you're left with a situation where it's like well we, we we need you to vacate space for Salah. And yes, Salah could do the same thing, but Salah is not that kind of, Salah also is looking to score goals too. So mm-hmm. the whole, you know, fans wanting this thing, manager wanting this thing, and cl- the club wanting a third thing. I think Liverpool are a great example of a game where, uh, of a club where they have aligned the club and the manager to be on the same page as far as any transfer decision and anything that say the club want to do through Michael Edwards has to go through Klopp. Anything Klopp wants to do has to go through the club, but they're on the same page a lot of the time so that they Mm -hmm. know that even if they lose out on guys like Timo Werner, they have a list of guys they can go after. And Mm -hmm. Jota was the next guy on that list because they weren't going to pay 50 million pounds for, for Saar, who's not as much of a complete package. And Mm -hmm. you know, third, what was it? 40, 40 some odd million, 42, 3 million pounds for Jota right now looks like a steal. And sure. you think of the, I mean, the the transfers Liverpool have made over the last, you know, four or five seasons, how many of them have looked like bargains now? Van Dyke looks like a bargain. Salah abs yep. steal. Mane steal. For for Salah? Uh thirty five million pounds, I think. It's not much. Mane was, I think, thirty. Firmino was just under thirty. Uh Robertson was twelve. Yeah. Uh Gomez was on a free. Milner was on a free. Henderson was 20 million year. I think it was like 15 million pounds, but that was in 20, 2011. That's incredible. On That's incredible. So they, they, they know how to conduct, but I mean, Van Dyke and Allison are the two exceptions, but every other player in that squad has been a pretty frugal investment and they've yep. paid massive dividends. Mm-hmm. So sure. It's no, I, you know, yeah, no, absolutely. Like Jota just fits. He's so fluid with his press. He presses hard. His his movements good. He can, like you said, he's really a complete package. Um, and I completely agree with you on about about Timo Werner. Is that he doesn't have the ability 
when there's not much space to even just he hasn't really shown. I mean, yes, he's quick and he tries to dribble past people, but the ability to just create shots for himself, if that makes sense, and even even get on the end of crosses. Like you said, he's great when you have space and he can run past people, but um, that's missing in like but compared to a Ziyech or a Pulisic, mm-hmm. for sure. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there, and and I'm curious to see if anyone listening to this podcast has any sort of counterpoints to this, but this is, this is my, my theory about Timo Werner. I've had this since the world cup in 2018, when he was part of the German starting 11 that didn't make it out of the group stage. So with Timo Werner, the litmus test for any coach specifically in this case, Lampard is going to be, can you take a guy like Timo Werner who has a lot of potential and a lot of skill and has a decent record as it is right now, and make him a better player because Salah was the same kind of player when he joined Liverpool. Yes, he wasn't a striker. He was more of a winger, but he would get in these situations where he'd have a lot of really good chances. And this is before Liverpool. He, he has gotten a lot better since he's been at Liverpool about a finishing, but I'll talk about that in a second. When he was at Roma and even before that, he would get in so many one-on-ones and so many great positions, but the finishing just isn't there. Mm-hmm. Timo Werner reminds me of that same thing. He gets in a sure. lot of one-on-ones, a lot and of I really agree. good situations, but he may not always finish the job. And, and and I also want to say, too, to your point, I mean, he misses a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. He, and he gets into he, so... Mm-hmm. Right. And he gets into so many because he is so fast. And that's mm-hmm. that was the thing with Salah as well. But Salah has gotten better at being a finisher. And that's not, that's not something that is just like... It's a switch that you can turn on and off. It's training. It's sharpness. It's confidence. It's man management. It's all of those things mm-hmm. put together. And that's why I would, you know, obviously it's a biased perspective, but when you look at a lot of the players that have improved since being at Liverpool under Klopp, it shows you he's not only great at coaching players who are very good as it is, he's also great at taking players who are unfinished and making them better. Because that's just, that's just the way he's had to operate his entire career. He hasn't had money. And I think he will, you know, I, I think... Lampard will. Lampard is all about end product. He talks all about that. So I think that he'll want to work on the finishing and just the the ability to dribble in tight spaces, mm-hmm. like with Timo Werner. But it's a big test. You're you're absolutely right. Um, and I think Chelsea. Yeah, I I just think they have too big of a squad right now. I, I, they they do. So. Uh, um, you got any center backs you don't want? Because <laughs> I'm sure Liverpool will take them. He can, he can go for it, bro. Uh, go for it. Uh, yeah. Speaking but of which, it's you're a, absolutely right. That's a great. That's a great. That's a great take on Team Over. Yeah. I, I so totally agree. so that'll be Lampard's test of how good a manager he he is or will end up being, is just how how much can he get out of Timo Werner. Right. So I mean, we we may not have an answer to that right now. So what but, what do you think? I mean, should he be a guy who scores twenty plus goals a season, and What's what is what should be, he do? Well, I think that's that's definitely the the target that people have for him is like, yeah, he needs he, you know, he's going to be along the same lines of a Jamie Vardy. He's going to score a lot of goals. He's going to run in behind. He's going to be a nuisance. I mean, for... so what did you see in your cast? I mean, what did you see from him at Leipzig in terms of because he was their leading scorer and the fit seemed great. Mm-hmm. Well, right? Leipzig are on the whole, Leipzig are a pretty counterattacking team. Yeah, they, they are no matter they who their manager pace whenever you watch them, bro. It's so exciting. Yeah, they 
they pretty much play a four four two no matter how who's been no matter who's in charge. I mean, Nagelsmann is is one of those managers who's had a couple tweaks, and people have called him like the next Guardiola, but he's still in his in his mid thirties, like or in his early thirties. He's an incredibly young manager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but that aside, right. Leipzig have been a counterattacking team for a long time, and that's why people were so excited that Liverpool got Naby Keita a couple years ago because he is great at operating a system like Liverpool that is ruthless on counterattacks. That's not the only way they play, but that's a big part of how they play is their mm-hmm. their transition and their counterpressing, the yeah. press, which is literally German yeah. for counterpress. So yeah. it's, you know, it's pressing when you lose the ball. And Keita's really, really good at that. And he that's is. why he was great. Same thing applies to Timo Werner. He's great in teams that counterattack. And if Chelsea are more a counterattacking team and they're less possession-based, he would score more goals. But yeah. he you- he would be the perfect Mourinho player. The oh, perfect Nick, player. He, oh, I mean, yeah. you you swap. Just, oh my God! Imagine, I mean, imagine him and Son and Kane. Exactly. Or or even swap him for Son, and the the output is not the same because Son has turned into a world class player at Tottenham. But the the output is very similar, in my personal opinion. It yeah. would be similar if you put if you put Timo Werner in a, in a Mourinho yeah. squad. He's going to get you results, and he's no, going to score a, goals. It's a, a great point. It was actually funny you mentioned that when I, I watched the Leipzig Bayern Munich game, and I was like, "This would be perfect for Timo Werner." Mm-hmm. They just they had get the ball and boom, just like go yep. right over the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's my personal take on Timo Werner. I mean, feel free to disagree. Let us know what you think yeah. about this about this kind of thing. But I I'm going to stick to this take for a long time. Be hard pressed to uh, convince me that it's not the case. Just yeah. based on what I've seen as a, wow. as a casual observer of the Bundesliga. It's a very interesting. Uh, well, not as big fan as it used to be. It's so, a very interesting point. Yeah. Uh, the other, well, I was using that to segue into the Fulham Liverpool game this weekend. So I was just talking about other big games. The, the big game of the weekend, Fulham against Liverpool. That's totally the game everyone's trying to watch. And definitely not the Manchester Derby. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's the game everyone's focused on. United. City at Old Trafford Saturday. It's I don't need to say anything else. It's the Manchester Derby. It's any any kind of derby, but the Manchester one featuring two of the most successful clubs in the history of the Premier League. As much as I hate to say that, but they are they are two of the more successful clubs in the history of the Premier League. End of story. Yep. So should be a fantastic game. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised to see United win like three one. I would not be surprised at all. I mean, they they've had really good success against Manchester City, even when Manchester City has been really good. They beat them and everything. Yeah. And I think it just it suits them, right? Because there's going to be lots of space in Manchester United. Like they're gonna when they go all gung ho and and stuff, they're really good. So mm-hmm. they just seem to have be having defensive problems. Yeah. But I I think yeah, I'm picking Man United to win that game. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I I don't I don't know if they will do it, but I wouldn't be surprised to see like a three one or a three nil from United in that game. I would wow. not be surprised at all. That said, I I do think City's going to edge it out. I think they just have too much quality, and United aren't in the greatest form overall. I mean, the league they won four out of five in their last yeah. five in the league, but domestic uh, internationally, obviously, they got knocked out of the Champions League. Good. And. You know. They also keep coming from behind the Premier League. Exactly. And can you afford to come behind it from come behind against Manchester City? Not usually. Probably not. Probably not. Yeah. 
But yeah. some big games to watch this weekend. I'm really excited for for mm-hmm. the festive fixtures. There's going to be a lot of football for the a next few weeks. A lot it's of football. Crazy. It's going to be crazy. Hopefully not too many injuries. Yeah, seriously. That's that's the thing that Klopp keeps saying. Like, we need five subs because you can't possibly hope to keep everyone healthy. It's just they play so many games. Yep. Absolutely. Anyways. So, Champions League. We officially have our last 16. The draw, I don't think, is until... When is the draw? Monday. It's on Monday. Monday. So mm-hmm. we'll know we'll know next week, uh, for next week's episode, when or uh, who who's going to be playing whom. Whomst? Whomstative? Sure. We'll know the schedule. We'll know the fixtures. But any real surprises for you in the in the round of sixteen? Who who made it this far? Any real surprises? Um, I would say no surprises. I, I think for the most part, it's chalk. Um, there are. I think it's it's on. I think it's really wide open this year. Just trying to you know watching as many games as I can. There's no team that really stands out, but. Um, I will tell you who I do think the best team is and who I think is going to win it. And I think Atletico Madrid is the best team in Europe. I, I'll say that again. I think they are. I think it's been... I'll get to my hot take later, but I think it's pretty clear that they're the best team. Mm. Uh, even I know that's a little bit of a hot take in its own. It's a pretty hot take, yeah. But, the, you know, Atletico Madrid, their team that has gotten more offensive output this year. You know, they, they've... They've tweaked things a little bit. They have the same defensive prowess, um, but they've shifted to a back three, and they they've found more offense this year. They're scoring a lot, and Luis Suarez helped a lot too, um, combined with some of their other players. Um, and so they're look. I think they're the best team. You know, Bayern Munich. Like I said, I mean, you'd think, but they they just look a little shaky to me. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of really good teams that are exciting, but I, I mean, I think they are the best team. My take. That's an interesting take. I, I just want to, I was just looking this up because I want to throw this at you really quickly. Uh, Atletico Madrid in the group stage of the Champions League so far uh, mm-hmm. have played well defensively, but mm-hmm. they don't have the best defensive record. And mm-hmm. the three teams who do have the best defensive record is probably, it might surprise you a little bit. So number okay. one is Man City with one sure. goal against them in the Champions League. Yep. Second is Chelsea. Yeah. With two. Yeah, they played well. They played well. Two goals against in the Champions League. Yep. Mm-hmm. Given how much scrutiny their defense has come up, uh, yeah. come against this season. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And number three is Liverpool. A Virgil van yeah. Dijk-less Liverpool. His third best defensive sure. record in the Champions League out of all the teams who made it. So... <laughs> I mean, yeah. Madrid's. I mean, they have a, a minus one goal differential, uh, but they had they had a group at really? Salzburg and Bayern Munich, both teams who just score boatloads of yeah. goals. Bayern scored eighteen in the group stage. No team, I think, had fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So they by far scored the most goals, and they only conceded five. So yep. Bayern are going to be important. I, I I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't agree with your hot take personally, but okay. I'll I'll let you get to the full the full take. No, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's Bayern Munich. I think okay, it's Man City. Man City? Wow. I think this is probably the year they get it done in the Champions League. And what as about much, them makes you say that? I think they, the, the depth defensively they have now is just sure. stupid, which means they can play Fernandinho 
in midfield where he's yeah. most effective. I mean, if you count on John Stones playing like he's playing right now, then I guess. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, eventually, eventually, you, you got to figure a guy like Guardiola can get the best out of John Stones if he is as good a manager as they say he is. And I think just the the football they've played, not only in the league but in the Champions League as well, you know, you'd be hard pressed to to bet against them. Okay. Um, well, you know, I I wouldn't say unequivocally they're the head and shoulders above everyone else. I mean, all of the top teams in all the group winners could easily win. I mean, we're not really t- we haven't really talked about Juventus at all. Juventus, no, I mean, PSG, yeah. Dortmund, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, yeah. Real Madrid, and Bayern. All the teams, and I, I actually think Atalanta is a team that uh, you should keep your eye on. They're but, they're sneaky. They're gonna yeah. sneak past some folks. I mean, they are, and they they. I think um, I like watching them play, and and Gasparini, like even in the IX game he's tweaked things. They become a little more defensive and I think they're a super dangerous team personally. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's no teams that really stand out. I mean, they're, they're all, you can make a plausible argument for just about any team in the round of 16. Yeah. Who's your, uh, who's your dark horse for the champions league? Who's going to, who's going to make a, a Cinderella type run, if you will. Okay. Well, um, cause last year I think it was Leon. Who wasn't supposed? Who quote unquote weren't supposed but, to be there? Yeah, um, and Atalanta to an to an extent. To an extent, but they've shown okay. they belong now. Sure. Um, hmm. You got one? I have an idea, but um, I mean, okay, okay. I guess if it's hard to say because you know there's a lot of it's hard to really consider some of these dark horses, but um, I don't think they have a great chance, but I guess if you're going to pick a dark horse, Lazio, they're, um, Chiro Mobley is low-key in the top five best strikers in Europe. Um, really good team. Finished, you know, they made a run at Serie A last year. Very professional. They're a very talented team. Um, lots of talent in the midfield, and they're they're the kind of team that can... I think even make it to the semifinals. Um, I don't know if that will happen, but they have enough talent too. They have yeah. enough talent too. I would say I would say mine would be Munchen Gladbach, Borussia Munchen Gladbach. Yeah, sure, absolutely. They they kind of tapered off their last two games in the group stage. Yeah, but they showed a lot of very exciting promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I actually lied earlier. They they scored the second. They scored 16 goals in the group stage. I said no they, other they, team they, came they, within 15. Some, they've got a very talented roster up mm-hmm. and down. Very good attack. Very good attack, like you said. Yep. Uh, okay. Yeah. So very very interesting picks. So keep an eye on Gladbach. I mean, they, knowing knowing they my luck the with these, they look like the best team in that group. They I did. Mean, on the whole. And, and also, also, I will say, I mean, you can't really count them as a dark horse, but if you count Leipzig, I mean, they, they look good enough. I was going to say Leipzig first, yeah, but they're not really a dark horse because they were semifinalists yeah, last absolutely. year. You can't really, you know, yeah. they're not really flying under the radar. I mean, people people know how good they are now. If they didn't if they didn't know before, they know now. It was it was mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago when they, they pushed Bayern to, they really pushed Bayern all throughout the season. I mean, Bayern won the league that year. I can't remember, I think it was 2016, 17. I think when mm-hmm. they when they pushed Bayern, whatever whatever it was, um, mm-hmm. and people all of a sudden saying like, "Yeah, dude, like 
Leipzig. I was like, yeah, they've been on the radar for the last few years. It's just, you know, the, the Bundesliga doesn't get as much love as La Liga or even Serie A or certainly the Premier League. It's more love than Serie A. Serie A needs some more support, bro. Mm, uh, especially with Ronaldo going over to Serie A a couple years ago. I don't think they need any any extra support. Well, the Bundesliga is a fantastic league. It's it awesome. is. It's more competitive than people think, but Bayern are just that good of a club. And they won the treble last year, so that should be a, oh, your evidence. Just very high quality play. Yeah, very, absolutely. Very- so a lot of good Champions League to look forward to. I'm I'm excited for the draw on Monday. I'm excited to see who uh, who comes out and who gets to face the uh, 2019 champions in mm-hmm. Liverpool Football Club. It shouldn't shouldn't have been knocked out in the way they did last year. That was really stupid. Mm. This I, I won't talk about that game anymore. Is I'm I'm not salty at all. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's, it's fine. We won the league. Uh, let's go over to the NFL. Because we we rarely talk about football like American football on this on this yeah. podcast, and I know you have a few takes. So we're not going to go super in depth on everything. I mean, I've talked about Atlanta extensively. I don't want to yeah. talk about Atlanta any more than I have to because it's going to make me upset. Uh, but the Cleveland Browns are nine and three. I think that's got to be the story yeah. of the year so far, or like one of the stories outside of you know all the, all the COVID yeah, stuff. Sure. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting uh, time. I mean, I think yeah, I think that's it's when you, I mean, when you look at both the you know, the Bills and Cleveland, you know, two teams that I rooted for growing up that have had hardships but are looking really good. And, yeah, and we got to talk about this because, you know, Monday Night Football against the Ravens, I'd love to finally beat Baltimore for once. Um, you know, have a chance to clinch a playoff spot. Um, that would just be unbelievable. Um, and I'm just I'm just savoring it, Owen. It's a great, it's a great team. Um, and to be honest with you, if we play well like we can, we can even make some noise in the playoffs. So, you yeah, know, it's very exciting. no, and 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 it it didn't seem like it was that much of a an adjustment that they needed to make. I mean, last year the players they had the players. Yeah, I mean, and you saw you saw spurts of it with uh, with Chubb mm-hmm. at times with Baker, not consistently, yep. but at times. Mm-hmm. And now you have a new head coach, a new GM to bring in a new kind of culture. And mm-hmm. whatever they're doing, it's working. And they are yeah. they are really showing they're showing a lot of really good stuff this year. And it's it's really good to see because mm-hmm. you know, for as soft of a spot I have for the Browns, it's you know, it's just genuinely good to see a team that has been ridiculed for so yeah. long finally be finally you put know, it together. Bring it back. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're you know they're old school NFL royalty and people don't understand that usually. I mean, they won how many super, how many championships before the Super Bowl era? Like five. Yeah. And then that's right. they're since the, the Super team, Bowl, they're the best team before the Super Bowl era. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like you said, Owen, it's just, I mean, we finally have the right coach. He's a very good coach, really nice guy, really good offensive scheme. Um, and, yeah, it's just like I mean, it just seems like the the Browns are such a boneheaded organization. Made so many bad draft picks, hired the wrong coaches, and you know, it's just now, now it looks great, and um, it's really exciting. It's really exciting, man. I, I'm hopefully we can beat the Ravens and 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 get into the playoffs. Yeah, well, the Ravens haven't been they haven't been the same team they were last year. That's for sure. No, uh, they, Jackson's they definitely not- regressed to the mean. But um, they they did find their running game mm-hmm. against the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, and I, I personally think they're going to squeak into the playoffs. 
that's my just my opinion. Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, but I mean, but, this has been a weird NFL year. Like I haven't. I mean, yeah. we we've talked about the Falcons extensively. I don't want to have to. I don't want to have to yeah. bring them up more than they need to be. But you know, looking at the picture as a whole, Kansas City, they still look good. Mahomes is elite. Yep. The yeah. NFC East is hilarious. Just. The less you say about that, the better. Although it's gotten better recently because Washington uh, and the Giants have played better. Yep, both both a mighty five and seven to lead the division. True. Where okay. they would be last place in the NFC North, yep. and third place in the NFC South. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and last place in the NFC West, which coincidentally belongs to the San Francisco 49ers, Which hmm, a team. Yeah. Although that, they they've gotten okay. They're, you can take your turn to shit on them if you want, bro. But they, they have so many injuries. They're so talented. Like, I think if it wasn't for injuries, they'd be right where they were last year. Yeah. If, I mean, you just hate to see a team that made the Super Bowl and lost in the Super Bowl and choked in the Super Bowl. Yeah. You just hate to see when they miss the playoffs the next year. I mean, it's not like it's not like that happened to the Atlanta Falcons because the Falcons made the playoffs after they went to the Super Bowl. The Falcons would be so much better if Kyle Shanahan was their head coach. Um, uh, can we not talk about Atlanta this, this time? I want to, I want to just not bring up the Falcons. It's like, I, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Ah, they are. They really don't. Why? Why am I like this? Yeah. Ah. Will you, who are you? Will you be rooting for the Browns? Um, Supposing they make the playoffs, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'm not a Browns fan per se, but I do have a soft spot for the Browns, and I yeah. follow them because of the family connection we have. You know, yeah, it that's simple as that. But mm-hmm. if you ask me to pick between two, I'm going to pick the Falcons, unfortunately, because I'm from sure. Atlanta, and okay. Atlanta's the city where the players play, and we ride on them things like every day. <laughs> But for 2020, you gotta you gotta pull for the Browns. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 not gonna root against them, that's for sure. And I'll root for my guys, you know, guys like Nick Chubb from uh, Nick Chubb from the University of Georgia. About Jarvis LSU. Yeah, Jarvis Landry, go Tigers, go Tigers, go Tigers. Yeah, I mean, I would like to see. I mean, it would be so. It'd be such a beautiful story if the Browns or the Bills won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really, really great. I mean, I don't think either are good enough. I think the Bills have a better chance of making a deep playoff run, but it would just be such a beautiful story. Yeah, of course the 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 nightmare twenty twenty scenario would be for the uh, the Saints to win the Super Bowl. I mean, the Aints to win the Super Bowl. That'd be Same. that'd be the absolute Atlanta nightmare. Just watching the Falcons implode, at three times in three weeks. And then become just just watching their arch rivals win yeah, the Super what Bowl. What happened? The two games Atlanta played against the uh, Saints, they, they did not do very well. They didn't, they didn't show up for either one of those games. Which Jason it's Hill. it's a rivalry game. You got to show up. It's it's they did these, not show up at all. We don't like them. They don't like us. But you still got to right. show up. And the Falcons definitely didn't do that. Got their ass kicked. Yep. Although they're, I will say, bro, you must be happy because they they choke in the playoffs a lot the saints <laughs> well a couple years ago they blew that and then last year they just took an l they did so, that was uh, yeah to minnesota yeah, yeah that was that, that was, was not a, good that was fun that was fun to watch it was nice nice to see wasn't it yep yep love to see it love to see it what super bowl would you like to see the most 
uh, one that does not involve the New Orleans Saints. That's my only criteria. Okay. So Browns, sure. Bills, sure. I mean, I wouldn't love the Steelers in the Super Bowl, but yes, it is what it is. You can't have Pittsburgh. It's not the Aints. You can't have Pittsburgh in the Super Bowl. I mean, it's not the Aints, so I'm I'm happy. Well, for the Browns. For for the okay, yeah, for the Browns, sure. Um, you know, Chiefs, fine. Giants and or Washington football team, fine. Green Bay, fine. Rams, fine. Seahawks, fine. It doesn't doesn't matter to me either way. It's just as long as it's not the Saints. As long as someone beats New Orleans, that's all I care about. That's all I have now with the NFL. They look really strong, so but I, ho- I hope I hope I hope they they lose, bro. You're right. Yeah, I hope so. Seriously, so, there's yeah. there's just ugh, I couldn't I can't live with myself if the Saints win the Super Bowl. I can't. It's just <laughs> well, I mean, I'll say this. I'll say this, bro. It all com- it all it all comes to an end, bro. Like hopefully in the post Drew Drew Brees era this last year. I mean. You know, Taysom Hill looks okay, but hopefully they'll drop off. I mean, if there's anything we learn after, you know, watching the Patriots game today, they, you know, they are not the same team as they were the last 20 years. They're probably done for the season, and uh, all good stuff will come to an end. So, sure, soon enough, the Falcons will be on top of the division, and the Saints will be cellar dwellers. Well, well, you never know, because the quarterback class uh, next year in the NFL— um, because Trevor Lawrence could very well stay another year in college. God, because go you you have to think he has some un, he has some unfinished business in in college, and I get it. He you know he's going to be an NFL quarterback in the next two years, but this year has been such a wash because of COVID. I mean, you think he wants to win the Heisman for sure? That's the only thing he doesn't have, and it, it, he can't win it this year because he missed so many games, but. If he stays in college and wins the Heisman and some yeah. other team decides to just tank next season or say this is Drew Brees' last year and the Saints end up being awful next year and get, you know, the number one overall pick. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's probably not. But, you know, there is there is a world in which that is possible. And if it is possible, it's it's more misery because Trevor Lawrence grew up in Georgia. He grew up in He grew up just outside of Atlanta. So you should so come to the Falcons. You want, you want the Hawks to tank? Take, take Matt Ryan. Take Matt Ryan out to pastures, and 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 let him let him enjoy the rest of his career somewhere. I'm not a Matt Ryan fan at all. He's really just like, he can get he, hot. He makes good. plays when he needs to, and you know he he played really well the year we went to the Super Bowl. But in the years since then, he's he just hasn't been the same player, and. In my honest yeah. opinion, and this is not someone who's a psychologist by any means, but I think it's mental more than it is physical. Yeah. I mean, yeah, also not having a, a competent offensive line for the last three years Terrible, doesn't yeah. help when you don't have two yeah. seconds to throw the football. You have Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. Exactly. Like, and, oh. and zero time to throw the football. That yeah, that's that's so, true. That's always that's always a bummer. But Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, we're we're getting down to it in the NFL. It's you know, we some people didn't think we'd have a season and yet here we are almost at the yeah. end of it. So crazy, crazy times. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a really exciting season and it's going to be really exciting when the playoffs happen for sure. I want to yeah. ask you real quick, Owen. Though. Yeah. Um, you, I'm curious your take. Um, 
Big game for the Dolphins. They play the Chiefs on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of talk. I know it's so early, but there's a lot of talk about Tua Tagovailoa, especially when you watch the way Justin Herbert's played and you can, and Joe Burrow. Um, and you consider, you know, Justin Herbert was a guy that um, they passed on to get Tua. And Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be an elite quarterback for a long time. So my question is, how do you feel about Tua? Do you still feel the same way or or not? For my money, I think it's still, jury's still out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I truthfully haven't watched a ton of, of Tua yeah. play this year. But, you know. I'm looking at his stats right now. They're not bad passing stats. Seven TDs, they're no picks bad. in six games. They're not bad. He's looked fine, but he's, he's really struggled to throw the ball down the field. Yeah. Um, and, and like, part... yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, and, and like, he's looked fine. He looks good on short throws, and he's good with timing throws. But, um, he they've, I mean, as you'd expect, they've been more conservative with him, but it's like, he definitely hasn't played as well as Fitzpatrick was playing. And, I mean, I know it's just early in the season, but like I said, you look at how good Burrow and, and Herbert were. I mean, they were both incredible. And yeah. so maybe that makes Tua look a little bit less. No, that's fair. And it's it's easy to judge based on the sample size that we have so far. I mean, yeah. for my money, I think they're all going to be good quarterbacks down the road. I mean, we're going to be talking about them the I same do. way we talk about Rodgers, Wilson, Breeze. Brady. Yeah. Uh, you know, all the elite quarterbacks. But again, with, I, with a guy like Tua, they were kind of easing him back from an injury and yep. well, multiple injuries, really, his last season at Alabama. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock into it right now. Check back in a, a year from now when he's, you know, in theory, had more more reps as a starter. And then we can get a full picture of what, yeah, I agree. what is Tua, who is Tua as a quarterback? Is he I, I see, a yeah. game manager like kind of he was at Alabama or? Can he throw the ball down the field and move the ball like he did when he was at Alabama? Because he did both. Yeah, he did both really he, effectively. He was, he was really good at, at both. He was a good. He threw the ball deep a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think he's going to be a very good player. But um, so I think he's going to be really good. But it's just you know maybe not as good as Burrow and Herbert because those guys look like on another level. Um, yeah. But we'll you see. know, lots to see. Mm-hmm. But it's that part of the show, folks, where we get into the hot takes. And uh, yeah. Willie, you and I were talking about this before. I think we uh, before we started recording. Mm-hmm. You got some takes for us tonight, don't you? I do. Yeah, let's go. Let's do one and one. So, like, one of us will say one, and then one of us will the other one will say one. I guess. Um, all right, I'll start off, and then you give me one. And all right. We'll go back. All right. What do you got for us? All right. So I'll start off a little later. Uh, so. Um, this is a soccer one. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most underrated team by far, that's going to be a team that's going to make a lot of noise in the next five, six years in Europe is AC Milan. Now, to be fair, I had not watched them play this season, but I will just say from what I know about them and I, I try to follow the Serie A and I'm, I plan on watching them more. This team is loaded with young talent. They, for, they are they have the youngest squad in this area. Um, you know, loaded uh, 
young players all over the field, some of which are becoming stars of the Italian national team and which will become stars in the future. Um, to combine that with Zlatan, who's, I mean, playing really well, even at his age. Mm. Um, and they've not, they're not only undefeated in Serie A this year. I mean, going back to last season, they've, I think, scored in their last 30 games. So they're really good. So they're not only my pick to win the Europa League, but I think this is a team that talk about next season. They remind me a lot of like a Chelsea or some team like that. Mm. That's going to be like the old AC Milan of old. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that's not a super hot take, but I'm just saying, remember this and watch out because they're yeah. coming. No, and, I... And, Sorry, go ahead. Um, and I don't think Juventus is going to win Serie A this year. I don't, but um, you got to watch them in the league as well. We'll see. Mm. No, I like that take. I like it. It's it's different. Okay. It's All it's right. not what we usually have on the show, and it's it's kind of it's one of those like I guess sleeping giants we've talked about a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes when we wake a sleeping giant, the results are not great. So, mm-hmm. but I like that take. Yeah, that's true. You don't want to wake yeah a sleeping giant. So the first that's one true. I have is mm-hmm. it's it's not as hot of a take as you would expect. It's kind of okay. it's kind of twofold, and it's a managerial sense. So mm-hmm. the first part of it is Ole is going to be out at Manchester United by uh, this day, one month from now, after the festive fixtures. Okay. Uh, I think they'll they'll get a result against City, but then be inconsistent over the festive fixtures, and they'll realize that without European football, um, or without I'm oh, sorry, without Champions League football, they don't have a selling point if you will to strengthen the squad in january mm-hmm. and so they may see it as an opportunity to bring in pochettino see what he can do with the europa wow. league see what he can do in the league but look at the future because the united have the pieces that's never been a doubt they have the players mm. they don't have for my money they don't have the manager yeah on top of that it may not just be pochettino it could be julian nagelsman Mm. But not not right away, but in the summer. So would he want to leave? They, so what they could do, what what I what I'm thinking they could do is one of two things. They could either bring in Pochettino right away, or they could fire Ole, have someone be caretaker manager for the rest of the year, and then over the summer convince a Pochettino, a Nagelsmann, or another another manager across Europe to to move to come to United. Wow, a manager with a more clear plan of what they want from the team. Because yeah. right now, we, I, what no is plan. what is the United identity? It's just week to week. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't even know what the long term plan really mm-hmm. is. Exactly. So, and no, that's a yeah. And Nagelsmann, everywhere he's been, has has got teams to play really really well. Results may not always be there, but he gets teams playing well. And that's I think the the thing United are after more is the consistency in the performances, mm. more so than they are. Result. I mean, they definitely need results, yes, because they are Manchester United. So, so interesting, Owen, and I'm curious. You could absolutely be right because I'm so curious to see the domino effect getting knocked out, knocked out of the Champions League have because mm-hmm. they remind me of a little bit of Real Madrid in the sense that Zidane's been under pressure a lot, but it seems like every time they need one, they get a result in the league or in the Champions League, but um, Manchester United didn't get the result they needed, and so... Maybe this is going to have a domino effect. If they start losing games, we could see him out quickly. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. Definitely. Yeah, and no, it's funny because cool. the other the other half of this take is also related to managers. Two managers in particular are going to be back in England in the next year. Mm-hmm. At least one at least okay. one of these two. All right, you ready mm-hmm. for him? I've already mentioned yeah, one. Sure. I've already mentioned one in Yulin Nagelsman. Guess who the other one is? He's he's familiar with, with the Premier League. Very familiar. He Sam Ellis. Oh no. Oh no. We're talking Stevie G. Steven Gerrard. Oh, to whom? Who would he manage? I have no idea, but I just have a feeling he's going to be back in England before long. And, you know, he has a good thing going at Rangers. I think they're still undefeated. Yeah. I don't think they've lost a game they, yet. They, they, I think they're top of the, the Scottish Premier League. Mm-hmm. I think they're also doing really well in the Europa League. Yeah. That. So, yeah. No. Wow. He's proven, He. I mean, he's starting to prove himself as a manager as well. He knows what it took to win as a player. He knows what it takes to win as a manager. You can't tell me for a team that is either on the edge of promotion, on the edge of relegation or promotion from the championship, that they may not be looking for a new manager in the Premier League. And you have to wonder if, say, a team like Brighton decides to part ways with Grand Potter or Burnley, maybe they stay up. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It's it's one of those things because. You know, realistically, he's Gerard is such a big Liverpool guy that it, you'd be hard pressed to think that he'd take a job where he'd have to play against Liverpool or manage against Liverpool. But he's also a consummate professional in literally everything he's done. So I yeah. would not be shocked at all. That said, I think Nagelsmann has a stronger case because he has a stronger resume and he's been with top tier wow. clubs for a little longer. But mm-hmm. that said, one of those two in in a year's time is going to be managing a Premier League team. Wow. Okay. So you never know. Um, that would be epic, bro. Um, I, I would love to see it. And hopefully he'd do well at his job and stay. And uh, so, you know, it's hard. You can have one job and lose it. Maybe John Terry, too. I mean, he's an Could assistant be. coach. Yep. Could be. Job too. So, yeah, that that's a great take, bro. That's a great take. Wow. All right. Uh, all right. What do you got for me? I guess that's yeah, I got, I got a handful. Um. All right. So um. Uh, this is a hot take show, so I guess I'm just gonna say it. Um. So, even though I hope that doesn't happen, and it may not be completely rational, but I'll just say it. Um, you asked me a question about which Chelsea players are going to be good, you know, and which do you think are good? And I said Ben Chilwell. Um, right now, it screams Kai Havertz that he's going to be, he's not going to fit in with Chelsea. And it was, I had this premonition, you know, and they talked about it a little bit during the Leeds game. But I was watching the Chelsea game, and I sat there thinking to myself, we have a problem because Kai Havertz, look, I watched a little bit of Leverkusen and, and he, you know, look, immensely, immensely talented player. But what I learned is that, you know, he, he, you know, and yes, he makes some of these like driving runs forward, but it's like, you really need to get him in an advanced role. And the way Chelsea wants to play, they want more balance. And it was, you know, last game against Leeds United, Havertz was running all up and down the field. And it was like, okay, I appreciate you doing that. 
Like that's great for a team, but you know, and and so and he's a, a very good player, but like to be an elite player, you know, I just don't. It's so hard these days, right, to have a midfield player that you know, like a Bruno Fernandez. You really have to have a system that can handle a guy that plays an advanced role and doesn't have to worry about his defensive responsibilities much. Because my the point of what I was saying was, if Lampard was asking Kai Havertz to do what he was doing in the Leeds United game, he can't do that and produce the kinds of stuff, you know, he's shown flashes of it at Leverkusen. And so he would be a perfect fit for our system in terms of adding that goal flare if it works out. But right now, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not convinced. I'm, I'm really not convinced. Well, so I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I still think he could be one of the best players to ever play in the premier league. It may not be at Chelsea though, but my, yeah, my no, thing I, with I you, I think he's a really good player. Yeah. No, but my thing, my thing with this is basically, okay, so you know what you're going to get with Havertz, you know what he's best at. So at what point, if you are Frank Lampard, do you say what is going to make us more successful? What's going to put the group of players I have in the best position to win week in and week out? Is it going to be a specific, this is how I want to play every single week. This is how we're going to play. Or Mm -hmm. does it kind of vary based on who you have, who your personnel are? Yeah. And again, this goes back to this is going to show Lampard's competence as a manager to mm. adapt to the players he has or only buy in or only buy players who have that mentality. And maybe they didn't and, they didn't look for yeah. that sort of mentality and, when they got Havertz. And, and 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 that's the thing, Owen, which is like I mean, and he's spoken about how hard the Premier League is. He said it's tougher than the Bundesliga and and no, and absolutely look. He's 21 years old. He is immensely talented. You can see his offensive skill. But it's just the way our system is, and like you said, you you talk about the decision. It's worked very well for Chelsea. Um, You know, when they've played kind of workhorses in the midfielders this year. You know, you've got N'Golo Kante, who's playing like world-class N'Golo Kante. You know, Mason Mount, for all it is, he's more of an attacking player, but he works really hard. And Kovacic, you know, even though he's not the flashiest player, I mean, he makes those good runs forward, and he's a workhorse too. And Havertz is not really that kind of player. And so it's just looking at the Chelsea team, I think the way, in addition to getting Thiago Silva and Kurt Zuma playing better, part of the way Chelsea's played better is that they've gotten more balance from the midfield. And and I look at that from a Kai Havertz perspective, and... You know, if you ask Kai Havertz to do that, that's not his game. So, you know, I don't know, right? Yeah, I don't it, know. It, it's a toss-up, it's, honestly. We're saying this about this young 21-year-old who's immensely talented, but if it's a hot take, I guess I'll just say it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what this section is for. So yeah. that's what this part of the show is all about. It's about the takes, the hottest takes we have and just throwing them out there and see what yeah. sticks, if anything. Okay, all right, yeah. So... I, I see you yeah. with your hot take, and here's here's mine for you. We're gonna switch back over to this side of the pond, and the yeah. NFL. Okay. And we talk about teams in history that have been perennial powerhouses, but mm-hmm. fall from grace. Yep. 
And we've talked about the Browns a little bit on the show. We've mm-hmm. talked about the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills who lost four Super Bowls in a row. Yeah. Browns who have been not in a great situation since the mm-hmm. mid-90s. Yep. But there's one team that in five to ten years' time, if not sooner, is going to hold the mantle of most pathetic franchise in the NFL. Wow. I think you know who I'm getting at. Patriots? No, no. I think you know exactly who I'm going to say. Who's going to come out of my mouth? The Falcons? The Atlanta Falcons. Oh, no. The Falcons (laughs) right now have no direction whatsoever. None. Wow. Ownership is great. Arthur Blank is awesome. I love Arthur Blank. But no, winning is not going to happen anytime soon. Because what happens when you give all your money and all your future to players like Alex Mack or Julio Jones or Matt Ryan? What happens is when those players retire and when your championship window is over, you don't have anything left. I mean, who's who's Matt Ryan's back? I mean, Matt Ryan can only take getting hit that consistently for so many more years. Yes, he's getting yeah. paid, but realistically, you have to think, okay, who's going to be our quarterback after Matt Ryan? Because right now, on the roster, the backup is Matt Schaub. Matt Schaub is the Falcons' backup right now. We'll just let that sink in for a second. And Kirk Benkert is the third yeah. string. There's, there's no plan for the Falcons right now. There's no clear direction. And yes, they're in the middle of hiring a GM and a full-time head coach, but for the last few years, really, it's been a, like every manager we've had since I want to say Jim Mora has had an extremely long leash. And for a business like the NFL that is so cutthroat and so hard to create consistent dominance or consistent success, Mm -hmm. you can't afford to have short leashes or long leashes. I'm sorry. You have to have a very, very quick hook for managers. That's, that's just the way it's, it is meant to be. I mean, you got to think if, if Dan Quinn was a black head coach, he had the same opportunities as other black head coaches. He would have been fired two years ago after the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, absolutely right. So, absolutely. you know, there's no plan for the Falcons. There's no direction, and I honestly, it's they obviously can't play with a lead. Mm-hmm. So let's get that one out of the way. The Atlanta teams can't play with a lead. Period. So, really, I mean, where do they go? Is there anywhere they go other than the bottom? Sure. I, I don't think so. Well, I, I would say, um, I, yeah, I mean, you, you have to have a good organizational structure, first of all. Um, good. It, it's really important to have those both, both synced up. Um, I think the Detroit Lions learned that, too. They've kind of messed around and it hasn't worked out. So first and foremost, you have to have a good organizational direction good GM, good coach to understand the plan. And then you have to, to acquire talent. You know, you look at, there are some teams in the NFL that you know, Washington football team has a bunch of young talent. Um, oh, I mean, Atlanta has some assets, right? I mean, Calvin Ridley's good. Russell Gage is pretty good. Uh, he's a young player. Gage, maybe. I mean, it's Ridley. Right now, the young core is basically Ridley, uh, Deion Jones, Grady Jarrett, Keanu Neal, Ricardo Allen, and AJ Terrell. Did I say AJ Terrell? 
He's not, uh, uh, he's not on, on uh, yeah, he's not, no, that's the, uh, he's on the Raiders, right? No, AJ Terrell is the Falcons, uh, or, uh, what? what? No, AJ Terrell's from Clemson. No, he's on the Raiders, I think. No, he's on the Falcons. Is he? Yeah, he's oh. he's on the Falcons. Falcons okay. took him somewhere. And okay, he's from Atlanta, too. So. Oh, you're right. You're right. They did take him. They took him high in the draft. I wonder if I... Randomly, I, I wonder if I know anyone who knows him. Because I know... I, I think I know a couple people who went to his high school. Yo, you should... But you should interesting. It, either way. Besides the point. Falcons' young core is... It, it, there's a core, maybe, but there's no quarterback. After Matt yeah. Ryan. And... If you get hit as much as Matt Ryan does, I mean, at what point do you have to do you go in the offseason? I mean, he just had he and his wife just had twins. He's getting paid a lot of money. A lot of it's guaranteed. So at what point yeah. does he just say, yeah, I, I'm tired of getting hit. The team's not really going to protect me. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. So then are you left with Matt Schaub or Kirk Benkert as your quarterback? I mean, mm. what, what's the what's the game plan? What's the future? What's what's the direction? There is none. And. You know, I didn't want to talk about it on the show, but it kind of devolves into that every single time. It's just who I am. I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, yeah. Peace up, A-Town down. So, you know, for as as great as Atlanta is as a city itself, uh, its sports teams are, uh, how we say, garbage. Wow. Don't worry. We'll get to rag on the Hawks very soon because the Hawks are about to start <laughs> playing again, and we'll get to rag on the Hawks a lot. Wow. Okay. Uh, okay. So, Interesting, then. Yeah. That's uh. That's interesting. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, there, there, so there's something, man. Uh, I'm sorry about the Falcons, bro. Yeah, and I also say none of their offensive line, their their defense, particularly their secondary, is really bad. <laughs> so Offense? Yeah, they, they, I mean, Youngway Koo is maybe the best player on the team. Oh, the kicker? Yeah, yeah relative to the rest good. of the league. He's good, bro. He gets a lot of fantasy points. Yeah, he's, he's my fantasy kicker. I, I named my team This Is, this is the Way. This is the wow. young way. He might be the top ranked kicker. I'm pretty sure he is because the number of the number of drive the Falcons have had that peter out in field goal territory just for him to clean up and get a, a, a good five <laughs> fantasy <laughs> points. Good. Field That's goals, funny. baby. That's what we're all about. The field goal okay. Falcons. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, all right, okay. what do you got for us? All right, so here's my next one. Yeah, uh, three to five or something. All right, so there's been a lot of talk. Uh, this is an NFL one. There's been a lot of talk in Philadelphia about the, the future of the franchise. You know, how much of it is Carson Wentz's fault? How much is it Doug Peterson's fault? Is it the offensive line? Is it the receivers not getting separation, dropping balls? Is it the drafting? So now I, I can't control the outcome of what they're going to do with Carson Wentz. Um, it's a really bad situation, but. Uh, this is a hot take show. So I'm just going to say that um, there's been a lot of negative talk, but I'm going to I'm going to say that um, Jalen Hurts is going to be a good NFL quarterback. I don't I can't predict that he's going to get a chance um, with the Eagles. I, I can't exactly say how they're going to handle him, but and look, I know at Alabama he really struggled to throw the ball down the field. And obviously, there's a lot of, you know, young quarterbacks. You know, Josh Allen, for example. They, they, these guys have big arms. But what Hurts does give you is like, first of all, you can really. First of all, he's a really good, supposedly amazing, like, locker room guy. 
who really inspires the team. Carson Wentz is not. There's been lots of reports about him not being that. And there's enough creativity play calling with RPOs. And, you know, he can throw, you know, he's not great on the deep balls and like taking shots down the field. But, you know, obviously he's got great mobility. If he's willing to run a little bit, there's enough you can piece around him to. Um, and there's a lot of quarterbacks now that, that use their mobility. So I'm just going to go here and say that he'll be, if he gets a chance, an average NFL quarterback, which is saying a lot because it's really hard to be average an NFL quarterback. And it takes quarterbacks, even sometimes on their second team, to be you know, really good average quarterback. So uh, people are just discarding Jalen Hurts for some reason, even though he was a second-round pick. And maybe I'm going to be completely wrong, but I'm, I'm just going to say it. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the me that watches too much SEC football in, in a normal year. I haven't watched a lot this year, but this yeah. year's been different. Like, it, it's one of those things that's like, you know, I'm inclined to believe with you, and I kind of want you to be right because it'd be a good story for someone who got benched in the national title game benched the, or taken off the bench the next year in the sec championship game and then gets drafted mm -hmm. by the nfl and be, yeah. becomes a cult hero in philadelphia you know as great as that would be i just i just no. I, I don't really i don't really see it it's just it's the arm that gets me he doesn't have the the big yeah, arm yeah. with no accuracy like like guys like lamar jackson and josh allen have yeah but he <laughs> He makes plays and he wins football games. I mean, what what was he? Some ridiculous numbers. He had like two losses as a starter in college. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want you to be right, but I I don't know. It's the arm again that always gets me. You're right. Uh, the arm is a big thing. I mean, you have to, you know. But I don't know. I mean, I look at him like a almost like a poor man's Cam Newton. Like to me, like. Well, even know, so, with I, the. With the arm strength, Cam Cam had a good arm, just not a lot he of. He did have a really good arm. Yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that is definitely a concern. But you know, hopefully with the right scheme, you know, he could. But you're right, the big arm is definitely something that uh, would be concerning. Yeah, for sure. But anyways, I, I hope you're right. But but yeah. I will say this, bro. I, watching Josh Allen, the way he makes time in the pocket and like escapes and creates time like Jalen Hurts is so good at that like so I don't know I have hopes for him I have hopes for him he yeah. was a second round pick for a reason right yeah <laughs> right I guess I guess all right what else you got for us I I'm out of I'm yeah. out of takes you got takes yeah okay um so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go uh I have I have uh I have two more um so the first one is that, um, and I don't even know if this is necessarily a super hot take, but I think Barcelona are going to trend like Man United. I think they're in for a really hard, like really hard time. I don't think this is going to be the same Barcelona. I think they're going to take a plunge. Um, you know, paying attention to La Liga and stuff like they, they have some serious issues on their squad. And yes, they do have some good young players, but not nearly enough. And I think that, I mean, you know, 
with their recent loss to a team they had no business losing to. I think they're 12th now in La Liga against Cadiz, a team that is not very good. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I think that not only are they not going to qualify for the Champions League this year, but I think that they're in for a really hard, really hard rebuild. Like, that's not going to go. And that's going to end up being like Manchester United, where we at some point have to come to the realization that this is not the Barcelona we watched. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think that's the case with Real Madrid. I like the direction of Real Madrid more, even though they're not, obviously, they're not what they were, but I like the direction. I, I just, with Barcelona, I just don't see it. So. That, yeah. that's kind of my take no I get that I don't dispute it they haven't been the same since a certain uh, certain game in England they haven't been the same <laughs> I wonder what game that was hate, hate to see it yeah sorry not sorry okay. uh, I actually realized I did I did have one more take go for it go for it uh, this is very simple straight to the point this is Pep Guardiola's last year in England whoa really yep either they win the Champions League or he's like no I'm done I can't do it because how much time has he had? How many transfers has he had? How big of a squad? How good of a squad does he have? How big of a squad does he have? He has all the pieces there to win the, to win the Champions League, regardless of whether or not he does it. He's either going to go out on top, a Champions League wow. hero, and win the double this year, win the league and the Champions League, or he's going to fail to win the Champions League and call it call it quits. I mean, I I, I would. I mean, he's already he's won how many trophies as a manager in the mid twenties now? Maybe close to thirty. Wow. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not too, too convinced that he has the the drive to want to do it again next year, or next season, wow. I should say. So that's a, uh, to me, this is his last year. Okay, um, man, that's uh, that makes sense. But still, you're saying they're going to win the Champions League. I feel, I feel like it'd be the opposite. Like, I feel like. Well, no, like, it's it's going to be a make or break year. So regardless of what happens in the Champions League. So he's either going to win and go out on top and be like, no, I can't get any better than this. Or he's not going to win it and be like, okay, well, I can't do this, obviously, and give up. Oh, I could be wrong, but I thought it was like he's happy at the club, but it's so if they win, he'd be more inclined to stay. Whereas if they lose, he'd be like, it's not worth it. But, yeah, but he, he hasn't been in one place for more than a few years. I mean, okay. just the way he goes about it, but he's, in, he's an intense manager. And wow. you know, we saw this kind of towards the towards the end of last season, or really starting last season. Yes, they had a bunch of they had injuries, but you know, for a world class manager with the resources they have, they you know, that's not something that they can really use as an excuse. Mm. This this year has kind of been a little bit of that as well. It's been inconsistent at best to start. I mean, it, yes, we're only eleven games into the season, but I don't know. Like it, it just seems like the the standards for him are way too high. But that's because he is so successful and, and he does arrive in Manchester with such a huge reputation and he's gone on to to win some big trophies and break a lot of records and he's had a good, really good stint as manager. But the Champions League is the one that City want the most. That's the one that he wants with City because he hasn't won it outside of Barcelona. And, you know, at what point if you're Pep and your bosses are telling you, you got to win five trophies this year in four competitions or something absurd like that, however high their expectations are. At what point can you just be like, no, nah, I'm done with this? I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, that's just like yeah. be me, me playing devil's advocate or me trying to speculate or me hoping that city will all of a sudden go back to being, you know, 
maybe occasionally win the title, not like every single year. Wow. But okay. that's my take. Interesting. Okay. Um, all right, here's my here's a last take. And I guess it's not a not a super hot take. But um Okay, so there's a lot of talk. Okay, this is okay. Now I'm I'll just preface this by saying that this is more wishful thinking at this point. Um, objectively, I could not say this or predict this right now, but I will say it is a real possibility, and I do think it's something that uh, should be considered. Um, so it's it's so everyone talks about you know um, how good Mbappe is. You know Mbappe, mm. yeah. by the way, has scored his first goal in the Champions League in a long time. Um, and so I don't even know if you could call this a hot take, but I think there's good reason to think that Jao Felix will be better. Like, I, I mean, that's a really, you might think that's a really hot take, um, cause Bappe looks incredible, but like Jao Felix, I mean, you know, La Liga may not get the commercial potential as the Premier League, but well, Jao Felix is quietly becoming the player that people thought he would become. And look, Mbappe is an incredible player, but I just want to say this: like Mbappe not scoring for seven what straight matches in the Champions League before he scored against Istanbul. Like, I do wonder. He's look, he's an incredible player. That's why I'm saying it's more a wishful thinking. Um, and I wouldn't say I would say he's going to be better than Jao Felix, but I mean. If he goes to a big club, I mean, can he reach that like that Neymar, Messi, Ronaldo level? You know, like and do it day in and day out. I mean, it, I don't know. your guess is as good as mine on this one. And and with players as young as as both Jao Felix and and Mbappe, yeah, it's it's kind of a toss up because part of it's luck with injuries, part of it's circumstance, mm-hmm. and part of it's just their willingness to be great. So mm-hmm. honestly, you really, you never really know. Um, I will say though, my answer with this is a little biased because I mean, um, do you remember, can I just say real quick? Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the quote, but there have been lots of quotes. I think Jimenez from Atletico said he could be the best player in the world one day. I don't know if you saw Diego Jota. I'm going to read you the quote because I pulled it up. What he said once about him. I already said Jao would be Ronaldo's replacement. So I'm just telling you. Yeah, I mean, it, it very well could be the case. Yeah. What were you going to say? I cut you off. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I was going to say it, it comes from a biased position because uh, in the game at Anfield against Liverpool, really both legs against Liverpool last year in the Champions League, um, I, I don't know how to put this lightly, but Joe Felix represented more, he, he more resembled a fish than a footballer. The amount that he was just yeah. flop, flopping around on the on the pitch trying to, mm-hmm. you know, trying to sell minimal to no contact in a stadium of 55,000 angry scousers. No, that's so, true. And yes, yes, Atletico won the game because Liverpool had to put Adriana in goal and that never goes well. So, 
you know, it's it's coming from a place of sour grapes, but like, it's, I don't know. It's it's really hard to tell. I wouldn't be surprised because of what we've seen from him so far. We've seen a lot of promise, but then again, I, I wouldn't say it comes, definitively. So this is more from the fact that I don't think Mbappe is overrated. I think he's incredible. Mm-hmm. I just think that people they're not getting and he's not they're not getting attention. I just think Jao, what Jao Felix is doing is getting overlooked. Like, right. So you're saying Mbappe's up flying. He's he's too he's the, too much on the radar. Has, yeah, I'm saying that. I'm saying as Bop is and people could say is, but Jao may be better. Mm. Like I, yeah. I, maybe. That's, yeah, yeah, and that's a fair take to have. I mean, you never know with young players, but only time will tell, really. No, he's getting protected right now. You yeah. Know? But when he has played, he's been really good this mm. season. Yeah. So that's, yeah. Yeah, Just we'll that. never know. And maybe we'll revisit this ten years from now, and be like, yeah, we we got that spot on, or hey, we we messed that up. I mean, where's where's he been? You know, or maybe not. Who knows? Who knows? Honestly, but yeah, I, I like that take though. I feel like that's a good one to go out on because it, it kind of encompasses Europe, but also football, and and it's something we haven't really talked about the show. And it's just a hot take in general. So no we complaints should, we should for have me. Have a podcast where we talk about the best young players in Europe. I think there's so many interesting ones. Yeah, we could do we could do like a, a little mini episode on on that. Just just good young yeah. players around Europe. Good young um, players. People are, and and Erling Holland as well. People aren't talking about him as much. Oh yeah, I had I had a t- less so of a take and more so of a funny joke, but he grew up a Leeds fan because his dad played for Leeds. Yeah, and he's always talked about his ambition is to win the Premier League with Leeds. So oh I was gonna say if you know if Leeds stay up in the next couple years, then Holland might be like, hey, he, he might tell his agent like, hey, get me a move to be the most entertaining thing to watch. Just Holland Dude. in the in the Premier League period. I mean, so, okay, actually, who's better? Who's better, Mbappe or Holland? Different right now, like Holland, probably. Yeah. I mean, Holland's injured, I, but before he got injured, he was scoring like at least every game, if not more. I think averaging over a goal again. Yeah, he, he like literally cannot stop scoring. Oh my god, he's but he's that dude. Dortmund is so talented. Like, oh my. They're god. They're just a factory of young talent. That's all. That's what crazy. they've become. Just yeah. young talent, they just need, pumping up. They yeah, they do. Yeah, but I, I think that's a good way to end the show, though. I think we got a lot of good takes, and we got we had some variety in the show. We haven't had that in in, in a little bit. Uh, yeah, talked about some some NFL, some yeah. Premier League, some Champions League, some mm-hmm. uh, little little prefaced a little basketball, maybe maybe to come in a future episode. A couple yeah, weeks from now, we'll have the yeah. uh, the NBA yeah. tip off again. Feels like yeah. that just ended, yeah. but you know, twenty twenty. So, <laughs> well, it's been constant this year. That's, that's crazy. Yep. So, anyways, well, any fi- any final thoughts before we get out of here? Mm. No, no final thoughts. Yeah, I think I'm just about done. I'm just about. Oh, 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 oh. What do you got for me? Oh, um, no, no, I'm just saying, bro, that uh, be ready for Monday night, and uh, <laughs> next Thursday we'll be drinking on this episode if uh, if the Browns make the playoffs. I mean, hey, you heard it here, folks. So be sure to tune in next week. Uh, we'll be recording the episode on the uh, 17th, and mm-hmm. it'll drop the morning of the 18th. And uh, we'll know a lot more at that point in time as far as the uh, the NFL situation. So if mm-hmm. if the Browns win, we party. If they don't, we might party instead. We might party as well. Who knows? Yeah. But um, always have a party. Yeah. 
So folks, thank you for listening. Uh, appreciate your support as always. Uh, be sure to get in touch with us on social. The links are all down wherever you're listening to this podcast. It's in the description of it. Uh, be sure to hit that, uh, hit that follow button, get some notifications as to when we post new episodes. It's always helpful. Interact with us on social. As I said, all that's down below. And, um, you know, we got some exciting guests we're going to have lined up in the, in the new year. So be on the lookout for that. We've got some ideas that William and I are going to bounce off each other and hopefully get some, some good content in for you, some good guests, some good interviews. So mm. more to come on this, but as the festive pictures begin, I hope you all have a terrific start to your holiday season. Uh, happy Hanukkah today to all, or I guess technically yesterday, since it's past midnight here on the West coast, uh, happy Hanukkah to all those who observe. And, um, uh, Hope you all have a great holiday season. We'll see you again next week. Same time, same place. This has been Hot Takes Only, episode 26, if you can believe it. For Willie, I'm Owen. We'll see you all next week.